0: Hi, I'm Aisha Harris, and you're listening to the Slate Spoiler Special. And this week we are talking about Dear White People, the highly uh, anticipated film by first time director Justin Simeon. And joining me today is uh, Tanner Colby, author of Some of My Best Friends Are Black. Hi, Tanner. Hi, Aisha. How's it going? It's going great. Great and uh dear white people as I mentioned earlier is probably one of the most anticipated films of this year and of this season it premiered at Sundance uh, earlier this year in January and wound up winning uh the best I think
1: breakthrough talent
0: breakthrough talent that's correct yes uh, for director Justin Simeon and uh, it's gotten a lot of buzz it's had a really big viral campaign it started even
1: before the movie was made it started off on Twitter with the uh, teaser trailer and it's just been uh, much buzzed about for a long time
0: yeah uh it actually started as a as a twitter account um apparently um dear white people the same title um and kind of uh came became this this uh idea that justin simeon had and uh turned into this film so uh let's talk a little bit about it
1: sure where do you want to start
0: um well, first, what are what were your first impressions? Like, did it live up to your anticipation or your expectations of what it is? And
1: Well, my, my anticipations were slightly colored by the fact that I was wondering what he was going to do with the phrase Dear White People, mm-hmm. which um, I wasn't that familiar with the Twitter account and what he did in launching it. And so I was wondering, is he going to, like, parody the whole idea of Dear White People, or is there going to be, like, a sincere Dear White People thing? Because the whole time I was researching my book— I would, like, read The Root and Ebony and The Griot and, and all these things all the time uh, just to uh, edify myself. And the, every, every like, two months, it was, like, constant. There would be another article, Dear White People or mm-hmm. Dear White America. It was this trope that just got played again and again. And, and I was like, who, who are you writing to? You're writing a Dear White People column on ebony.com. Um, and, I was, and then I'd sort of read through them, and they were invariably sort of preachy and listen up, white folks, and just, you know, not... I invariably taper off like halfway through and, and not finish them. And it's sort of it's the same. It's the equivalent of what Bill O'Reilly does on Fox News, where he lectures the young gangster rappers about, you know, their four letter words and their baggy right. jeans. It was like, Bill, who are you talking to? <laughs> what 18 year old black kids are watching the the no spin zone on Fox News. And of course, Bill O'Reilly is performing for old white people and the people writing these dear white people columns are performing for a black audience. They're not actually trying to communicate to uh, white people Well, do, um, you,
0: do you think that's actually the case with at least with the movie anyway
1: well that was my my question is is he going to sort of get inside the 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 the, uh, the nature of this whole dear white people idea or is it just going to be and he did he sort of like uh he tackled the idea that for this uh, young woman sam white um who's this you know biracial girl from the suburbs who's trying to find her identity this whole dear white people thing is 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 very much a you know somewhat of posturing in terms like trying to find herself um and it's a bit of a performance put on um and then by the end of the movie and of course here we're spoiling the end um you know her she's does all these dear white people you know uh admonitions dear white people stop touching my hair dear white people the number of black friends you need is now raised to two
0: and just to clarify this is it's set on a college campus for those right. who don't know yeah. um and her the twitter account from real life is uh, transposed into um sam white's own radio radio show right. on campus so right. her saying dear white people this is it comes in the context of the movie with her saying it on the radio show
1: right yeah. and so her last episode of dear white people is dear white people never mind you know, which means she she no longer feels the need to perform for her fellow black students and she no longer feels the need to define herself in relationship to the white people. She's just like, okay, I've figured out or I'm on the path to choosing who I am rather than you know, sort of reacting to one way or the other. And so uh, I th- I thought that was good the way um, he sort of uh, explored the, you know, the motivations of the people who were doing the whole dear white people thing because I always questioned it myself. Mm-hmm. Um and then, and then ultimately, you know, the movie is called Dear White People, but all the white people in the movie are somewhat static. Yeah. You know, they're not really dynamic characters, which is fine. We've been doing it to y'all for, you all know, for hundreds <laughs> of years. So yeah. uh, turnabout's fair play. Um, but, you know, the movie isn't really about necessarily lecturing to white people and changing their mind. It's about being, as he says, the black face in the white space and finding, finding yourself.
0: Right. And uh, so let's uh, backtrack a little bit because... Um, He's doing a lot here for a first- time director yeah like this is a, a multi protagonist film. There are four like main characters within this the story. Each one um, s- struggles with their own version of identity and what it means to be quote unquote the black face in the white space. Um, there's Sam White as we mentioned, um, who I think at one point, uh, someone calls like if Oprah and uh, Spike Lee Spike had a pissed, had off, a baby. pissed off baby baby she's
1: a, a Lisa Bonet wannabe yeah um, all of these angry yeah so she's she's taking sort of the black militant angle
0: yeah
1: uh, she's trying on that costume mm-hmm um, there's Troy,
0: Troy, who's the dean's son. The dean is played by um, Dennis Haysbert. Right. Um, and Troy is uh, he's kind of the very good-looking, classically handsome black male who um, primarily hangs out and dates with dates uh, white his white peers. Um, really wants to get on the pastiche, uh, right. like kind of like the Harvard Lampoon type newspaper of his uh, of the school and. Um, then there is also There's
1: Coco. Coco. Who's from the south side of Chicago whose real name is Calandra, I think.
0: Calandria. Or Calandria. Something.
1: Calandria. There's
0: a weird moment where she's she when well, this is going a little bit out of the but there's a weird moment where, where her and troy are talking about their her name and she says something like well calandria is like a ghetto name so like i call myself coco and i was like coco, coco is better. not yeah coco, coco is is, like not a better. Coco is a stripper's name coco is a stripper's name
1: it's ice tea's you know uh yeah. booty wife uh yeah if you're trying to like sort of middle class yourself and and d you know uh d ghettoize yourself as as she would say you know Coco is not the way to go. But then I think maybe that's intentional.
0: Yeah. Because people
1: be. who come from the wrong. Here, here's just an example from the cover of my book. Um, it's from my uh, uh, th- uh, three year old preschool um, class photo. And all the white kids are wearing like snotty T-shirts and their hair is all messed up. And it's like and there's one black kid in the background. and He's wearing a suit because mm-hmm. his mom, like, dressed him up a little too much. Yeah. To, you know, you're going to impress everyone, and, and but she did it a little, bit, a little bit wrong. Yeah. You know, and that's sort of the, whether you're the white trash going to the country club for the first time or the black person going to the Ivy League school, right. you're going to do it a little bit wrong. Exactly. So I, I, it's wrong, but it's accurate, and it's wrongness, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then finally we have um, Lionel, uh, played by Tyler James Williams, who mm. most people will probably recognize from Everybody Hates Chris. Um, and he plays a uh, kind of the social misfit. Uh, he's uh, gay, scrawny. No one seems to like him. No one, white or black. He can't mm-hmm. fit in anywhere. And he's an aspiring journalist. Right. Um, and he's kind of assigned uh, to be like the black voice of the journal of the newspaper to try and get like a scoop on all of the stuff that uh, Sam is kind of starting. And right. So right. Um,
1: but the white people who give him that assignment have no idea that he's just not even. <laughs> accepted by the black students. Right. They at only, all. They, they don't know.
0: Right, exactly. They He's only just, assign him because they think he right. has an in. And, <laughs> and I
1: think that was an interesting continuum in, in the sense that everyone in this movie is sort of an archetype. Um, you know, Sam is taking the very defined, you know, militant idea, this is blackness, and Lionel's taking the I have no identity or I don't want to necessarily choose an identity kind of way. And Coco and Troy are sort of in the middle and they're playing with a lot of shifting identities uh, and they try on lots of different uh, costumes as, as the, the story goes on. Yeah. But you, you're right that he definitely tried to do a lot. Um, one of the things that I felt sort of like jarring about it, uh, and you can see it sort of in the genesis of it as a Twitter, you know, he said the original treatment was like just 90 pages of anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, so for the first half, you know, 40 minutes, so it's very vignette-y. Like the scene outside the movie theater where they're trying to get, uh, you know, we don't want to see a Tyler Perry movie.
0: Yeah, the Spike Lee do the right thing moment. It's right. It's very reminiscent of the white guy in the Larry Bird jersey yes yeah
1: yeah and then you know the the tip test where Mm -hmm. uh, Lionel's at the student union or whatever and it's sort of like a bing we're gonna do a little like break the fourth wall sketch moment
0: yeah it felt that felt a little out of place
1: it was yeah so I think it started off with a bunch of like vignettes and then sort of sort of you know merged into a narrative Mm -hmm. as it went on but he just uh, and I read an interview with him where he said you know it's a little loose-ended and messy kind of on purpose because i just wanted to throw a bunch of stuff in there to get people thinking
0: well i i definitely got that feeling throughout and i think that may be why the movie didn't quite land for me um it, because just the way in which like i completely am on board with pretty much all of his politics i align with the the tone of of the film and, and everything that's said or most of the things that are said by Sam White or said by all these characters. Like at one point um, uh, Lionel is talking about like, Oh, when I was in high school, like he, like black kids didn't like me or I wasn't like, it was hard for me to fit in and like I could relate to that. Like I personally could relate to that because I knew what it was like to go be in high school and, and kind of feel like an outcast in every sort of way. Um, But then at the same time, I felt like a lot of times it felt very didactic or just kind of like too ripped from the headlines and it didn't feel artfully done. It felt like it's a lot of talking, a lot of speechifying and everyone's talking at each other, but not really to each other. And like, Maybe that's the way it works in YouTube comments. But I feel like if you're going to try and bring that into the real world, it needs to be a little bit.
1: Well, you sort of got, you sort of got the impression. It's like, okay, Hollywood's only going to let us do one of these. So we got to put everything in.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Right. And it definitely felt like that. And I also felt like it, it, that translated to having four characters too. To me, I think it would have worked better if it was even just three, because I feel like um, Three is
1: a good dramatic number. Yeah, four, I, is, is, four a lot. is too
0: much, especially for a first-time director and writer. And. I, I feel like Troy and Coco could have been one character. Like, they kind of round out. They Like, Sam and Lionel are very distinct and very different. Mm-hmm. And then Troy and Coco kind of have the same thing going on, where they're both trying to work with the pastiche guys and get them to, right. um, you know, have that—they wind up having that climactic uh, Halloween party, in part because of both of their input. Right. And they both, like, deal with being— And I, I get there were moments where they were together and they kind of saw eye to eye, but I just felt like that could have been— Put into one character instead of, and the, the reality show storyline felt yeah. very tacked on to me.
1: I like the the idea behind it, which is that you know, in terms of our national conversation about race or the you know whatever, everyone's performing to a to a degree, right? And so, to, but like, then again, that just felt like another thing layered on. Exactly the the other thing that I really really wanted to see that just sort of was introduced and then sort of went nowhere was. um Part of Sam's motivation, she has this uh, Dear White People radio show, but then she's running for head of house for Armstrong Parker, which is the black house. Uh, one thing we surprised is, you know, it's one of those residential colleges where everybody lives in a different house, and they're all based on, like, the liberal arts or the rich, you know, country club kids. And, right, and then, of course, there's the black, you know, multicultural house. Um, and so one of her motivations is they they just passed this randomization of student housing act, which is going to sort of break up, you know, the cliquishness of these things and just put everybody in a different house to have a more democratized environment, Um, which, you know, she sees as a threat to the, you know, the, the black culture on campus that they're, you know, they're trying to destroy us because they feel threatened by us, which I don't think necessarily the president really feels threatened by the students of the black house. It's yeah. just sort of, he's just, you know, um, and so that, to me, I thought, well, this is going to set up a real confrontation over this idea of integration and, you know, or versus, you know, multicultural Um And there's going to be a big debate and confrontation over that. And then there wasn't. No. no. <laughs> well, no.
0: There, there sort of was well, they're, when, they're, when they have the lunch, when they're in the dining hall. Right. And um, the, the president's son um who we should also point out there's like all these all these characters are interconnected in some way the president's son um is also the brother of the girl that Troy is dating and that causes a little bit of conflict and the president and the dean both went to college together so there's that right. kind of background right um but anyway the the son uh whose name is Kurt He's pretty much a tool. Like he's an absolute tool. Right. Um. And he's he's uh me- he's terribly mean to um Lionel. Lionel is begins the movie living in the the dorm with the pastiche guys, um, and is trying to arrange with the dean to move out because mm-hmm. he's getting harassed there and because he's gay and black. Um. And um. Yeah. Kurt and uh Sam have this big kind of. It's. A, I think it's supposed to be very you know, back and forth uh, heated debates that kind of just fell thought for me because, again, it's one of those scenes. Nobody talks that way. No, yeah, no one talks. It was all, like, very, like, well... It, it, granted, it's all these things that I've seen on YouTube comments and I've seen, like, under mm-hmm. any article about race where, like, the Kurt says something like, well, j- like, sh- Sam wants them to leave the, the, the dining room and Kurt says something like, well, I should be able to stay here. Like, and then he gets into this diatribe about affirmative action and why like why he should be here. And then she's like, well you're like Fox News already tells us what we have to do. Like it's just so it feels so stilted. And I get that like part of the and I'm seeing this in the in the in the reactions on Twitter and the people who are very excited to see this movie people like myself who are like black millennials, young Mm -hmm. people who have gone to white institutions. And I see that that's supposed to be a moment for us, quote unquote. We're, like, mm-hmm. we're supposed to like nod our head in agreement and be like, yeah, like this is us. Like this is what we this is how we feel. But it didn't translate as anything more than just like, OK, yeah, these things are all true. But this does not feel real in any way, like in terms of the way they are arguing about it in real life.
1: Right. And w- w- white, from what I know of white people, we're not going to go into the black. I mean, any jokes about chicken and waffles that we're going to make, <laughs> you're not going to be around. Right. You know, right. But if we go to the to the Black House, you know, we're not going to stand up and it's just unlikely, you know, and and so the problem is he's trying to do, again, too many things. Is it a narrative driven, realistic movie or is it sort of a a
0: satire, satire?
1: um, And, you know, you can't be both. If you're Dr. Strangelove, then then everyone's a type and it's all about the satire and there's no real emotional connect development or growth of the characters. It's just satire. Uh, But he's trying to he's trying to layer one on top of the other um there are plot threads that are picked up like the housing thing that you know uh is is never really it's like oh they're not going to do that yeah like and but it's never uh really confronted um
0: one of the things that stood out to me was um obviously as we talked about before it's not just directed at white people i think there's also kind of this inner friction between uh black Hmm. people that's exposed um at one point there's a moment where um Sam, whose friend Reggie, I believe it is, uh, who's, like, her, like, right-hand man. She's kind of s- seeing him or at least just screwing him. Right. Um, but, like, he's also the guy who, like, wants, wants her to be, like, their Angela Davis, like, lead us, like, lead this right. revolution. Um, and there's a moment where they're, like, sitting around, hanging out and smoking, smoking weed, and, or he's smoking weed, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't Friday. Like, you need to, like, don't given to like these stereotypes like there's these little moments where like they're jabbing at each other um and there's mm-hmm. even the moment where lionel is at in the dining room and um reggie and them come up to him and they're like what are you doing here like you're not supposed to be here and he says something like well um you guys like never really uh, like i listen to these things and you don't and one of them's like actually i love that and it's just this weird kind of like inner tur- turmoil inner um, dynamic like w- did you make anything of that like did you
1: i thought i thought honestly that was the best part of the movie um yeah. you know the one of the guys i i know from advertising uh from that i met through writing my book the way he described it is the problem with white racism isn't isn't that it's so like devious and nefarious and evil it's that it's so boring and it's <laughs> just the same and that's part of what the dear white people thing is all right listen up stop touching our hair You know, stop claiming you have so many black friends because white people do the same dumb shit over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And so that in itself is is not it's a very we understand that dynamic and we've seen it and it's very simple. Um, I mean, what he described, it was that, you know, working at a white ad agency or getting through a predominantly white college is like, you know, you're swimming against the current because there's a huge current coming against you. But, you know it's very it's difficult, but it's very simple you're just trudging against the current, but the inter-black politics or the intra black politics are like a riptide that's cutting at your feet while you're trying to move against this current that's pressing on you and forcing you to you know work twice as hard to get where you're going um and so a lot of the jokes about the white people and maybe I'm just gonna come off as a humorous white people who doesn't like being fun of white people, <laughs> but like I felt like a lot of the jokes about the white people we've heard before because right people been doing that same stupid shit i was looking at the part of what this reminded me of like higher learning which is that john singleton movie about college from like 1995 it's 20 years old Mm -hmm. and like the same shit that like the dorm where the cops come and they harass the black kids but not the white kids or whatever but like the same things happen in that movie or a lot of the same things that happen in this movie it's been 20 years Mm -hmm. and white people are still doing the same shit so it's like all right well i've seen those beats before but sort of because there's only ever one black person in a movie and she's the sassy black roommate and she has no character development in, you know, 90% of Hollywood films, what we don't see or what's new is the sort of the intra-black politics of identity of you're too black, you're not black enough, you know, and so on and so forth. So I thought that was like the most refreshing and interesting part of the movie.
0: Yeah. For me, I think it emphasized too much the fact that there there is this kind of myth um, that there are people who think you're too whatever if you are mm-hmm. a black person. Um the scene where Troy and um <clears throat> Lionel now they like share they share a I guess a suite. So they have two different rooms and uh Troy is sitting and he's like watching like the sci-fi channel like Star Trek. And like Lionel looks over and he's like, you watch he looks looks at him as if to say like you're watching Star Trek and then he like changed the channel really quickly and it was like I'm watching football now or basketball or whatever. And to me and then there's the whole scene later on with um Sam and her white guy who she's dating, having sex with or whatever, um, where he says uh they go back and forth, which I actually thought was kind of funny, where he's like, You listen to Taylor Swift and but you don't like you don't know anything about this or this and he makes like a, a reference to coming to America and she has no idea what it is. Right. And I was like, okay, yes, like, these things exist. There are people who, um, black people who only listen to these things. But I feel like most people, especially black people, especially nowadays, the last, most of us want to try to put forth, and I think even if we don't want to try, we're doing it anyway, put forth this um, idea that we can listen to both things. Like, it's it's not an either or. And I feel like the movie kind of, Hints that that's the case, especially since Sam winds up just completely leaving behind like her old past to date the white to date the white guy. Like there's just, I think the last scene we see with her and Reggie and like the other rebels is like when after she's given this another speech about like her childhood and then they decide to be together and they walk by and her old friends look back and they're like what is she doing And it's like i don't really think that's the way things really are most of the time no
1: and again it goes back to the whole public performance thing like uh you know, again, just take it back to, to the advertising thing I researched, you know, again, in the inner in the comments section, when you go through and read about all the articles and the diversity blogs and advertising, it's, you know, it's it's vicious. So and so she can't take the handkerchief off her head and and this kind of stuff. But do people really sit and do that in private and have those sort of, you know, recriminating conversations that are very specifically about, you know, friends or Taylor Swift or, or you know, policing? Right. You know, those those cultural identity lines get policed in sort of like a general way but you're right i mean do people actually sit and have those conversations or am i going to be embarrassed if my black friend sees me watching star trek not really no <laughs> not really and uh and so but i think you know what i i did like the way it ended with 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 sam's resolution uh not only was saying dear white people never mind just mm-hmm. like you know whatever with you people um but, you know, the while there was no big confrontation over the, the Housing Act, she sort of resolves the question for herself because she's like, well, are you, you going to live in the Black House or the White House? She said, well, I got an apartment off campus. Right. And that's really sort of the answer to the whole question is, are you going to live in the Black House? Society wants you to put, put you in the Black House or the White House. And the answer is get an apartment off campus. Yeah. And and that's sort of it reminded me of something that uh, Lerone Bennett said about uh, well, the editor of Ebony for Slate Readers who might not be aware. Um, uh. He said, you know, the the integrationist is overly obsessed with the presence of the white man. The separationist is overly obsessed with the absence of the white man. But the liberationist merely says that the absence or presence of the white man is irrelevant. You know, and it's just like you go your own way and do your own thing. Um, And that's sort of where she ends up. And. So I like where the movie started and I like where it ended, but mm-hmm. there was just a whole lot in between going on. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. It's certainly an enjoyable movie and everyone should go see it, if only because it is a little, uh, you know, it might be a little too didactic or whatever, but, you know, maybe Hollywood needs that, you know. Um, and, and again... It, it sort of reminds me of it was a, a discussion that, that Dana and Stephen and, and Julia had about boyhood mm-hmm. uh, when that movie. And it was like, oh, my God, this movie's so good. It's so revolutionary. And I think it was Stephen Metcalf said, well, are we saying that?
0: I think that was Julia. Yeah, well, I remember yeah, that. Yeah,
1: are we saying that because this is really a great movie or, you know, we don't have any other movies where they age a boy 12 years to compare it against. Right. Right. And it's so like, well... Is Dear White People the best movie you could ever make about identity politics on a college campus? Or is it the only one? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we don't really, you know, we need to see 12 more of these movies to see, we, all right, well, this one really did it well. Or that, you know, we, we can compare Porky's and Animal House and, you know, like 10 of those different movies to say, well, Animal House is really sort of the best one and the rest are derivative. Right. Right. We don't have any, you know, cultural comparisons to this Um to, I mean, you could compare it to school days, I guess, but that's it's such it's a so different. different yeah. yeah, it's such a different era and different time.
0: I mean, the only the only movie I, I rewatched uh, recently, Hollywood Shuffle, because I just felt like well, if I'm going to watch something and kind of look at it through that lens, like what's the closest thing? And like, this felt like one of the closest things I could have watched. Um Hollywood Shuffle uh, is from, I think the late eighties. It's directed by Robert Townsend, stars Robert Townsend. And it is um, about his experiences as a black actor and always being just confronted with these uh, very stereotypical roles. Um And that to me is like, the thing about Dear White People is that it's, it's billed as a satire and it's marketed itself as a satire, but I think it's, like we talked about earlier, it gets so serious at times that, Mm -hmm. like, it it doesn't necessarily feel all that fun or funny. Whereas something like Hollywood Shuffle, I mean, the last, like, third of it turns very kind of moralistic and, and does direct address thing. Like, you need to choose, like, do you want to feel good about the roles you choose? Like, you should. But the first, like, the first two-thirds of it are very, like, biting, sarcastic, funny. There's... Yeah,
1: everything's funny in that movie. Yeah. That movie doesn't miss a mark like the—I mean, it's just funny all the way down the line. Right. And every point is made through humor. Right. Whereas in this movie, a lot of the points are made through humor. Some of them are made through speeches. Um. And so it it goes up and down like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. I just wanted to really quick touch on the last—the the kind of climactic scene, which is— the biggest scene, which winds up being this Halloween party, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of actually um, put into place in part due to Troy and um, Coco um, wanting to work with pastiche and coming up with the idea to have like a like a unleash your inner Negro, I think is what they call it uh, party, and. Uh, the moment comes, there, there's all these white kids who are dressed up in typical, quote-unquote ghetto or urban wear." there's blackface going on there's monkey faces there's obama michelle masks that kind of thing and it kind of leads not only the black kids but also all the other like non-white student groups to come mm-hmm. and like descend on the party and break right. it up
1: who uh, we haven't seen by the way until this point there's just yeah. chinese <laughs> and we don't even, i don't think we even see the hispanic people they're just referenced but there's right. one there's one asian girl at the black student union meeting because um, they have better food or what yeah, was it? Yeah, you yeah. guys have
0: better snacks or something. Yeah, you
1: guys have better snacks. Um,
0: <laughs> Yeah, what what did you, did you, because that was yet another kind of very topical thing that was thrown right. in here. And I think it was handled pretty well for the most part. I mean, what did you think?
1: I thought it was handled very well. And and, and I think one of the things I liked about it um, was, you know, these white kids are showing up, you know, just, Thinking it's just, oh, hey, we're having fun, Jay-Z, you know, hip-hop party, whatever. But it's filmed in a way that it's it's really somewhat menacing. Yeah. Uh, these strobe light effects with these these blackface masks, you know, just sort of like distorted in this like harsh light. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of gets to the where, you know, a black person in that environment, you know, not only wouldn't feel it was funny, but would feel uh, not so unsubtly threatened by the whole atmosphere of it. Yeah. Um, and I felt like... Uh, it was really well done, but again, going with sort of the inconsistencies and tone of the movie that belonged in a really black satire almost, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like you could see if this was a really, really, uh, dark, dark, you know, black comedy kind of thing. Um, so it was a little bit of shift in tone there, but I, I did think it, it worked really well and it is astonishing that, that things like that are, are still done, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: my college, we uh, at Tulane twenty years ago. We had uh, they still had the old South parties, where the the white fraternity would dress up in their Confederate grays, and the ladies would wear like, cotillion dresses and and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if they still do it. Um, I'm sure that they do, <laughs> um, but you know. So I know what, what did you think of it? I thought it was. It
0: was- I, I thought it was great too, especially the moment when Lionel was at the party with his um, kind of his boss at the the, the newspaper. They, he goes there with him and he has a crush on his boss and the, but they start flirting. Um, and so and by boss, I mean like this guy is like a senior and he's like a freshman, not like actual like teacher. Employer, student, right, know. yeah. Um, so like his editor. And um, they start making out and Lionel, who's constantly teased for like this very unruly Afro, um he says something like, oh, like, I think I want to cut it all off. And, and the, the guy is like, don't you dare. And it's like, okay, like you clearly are fed. It. And then he says, right after that, he says something like, I, lo- I love you. Like I could eat you like a Hershey's or something. It's yeah, like, like the most, like, it's the worst thing in the world, but I have been told that before. And it's, very some, something along those lines so i've ex- wow. yeah i've ex- yes um not quite hersheys but similar chocolate whatever right um so and then
1: and it wasn't flattering <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> oh yeah i i went home with him after that um no <laughs> but it was um it, it there there's a moment when there right after he says that they start after he hears him say that they start making out and then all Lionel sees like it cuts, intercuts with like him seeing like monkey masks. And to right. me, that was like really effective. Like I liked yeah. that kind of dark, um, existential crisis he was kind of going through as this was happening. Like, right. It, that part really worked for me. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. It, it does kind of work in a different movie, but, right. but I think it also, to me, that was like the best overall yeah. piece in the movie.
1: Yeah, I know. And I thought it was, um, I agree. I think it worked very well. It was it was a good climax. Um, I, I didn't quite understand what Troy's... Why was Troy writing The Invitation? Why did Troy, the student politician, want to be part of a humor magazine? That didn't quite make sense to me. It was just a lot happening. But that scene in and of itself, was, I think, effective and shows you just how ridiculous it is that these these parties still keep going. In fact, I, I read one interview with him. That was the original climax of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then he took it out because he thought... Eh, it's too crazy, it's too unrealistic, it's too heightened reality. And then he started reading, like, more and more. It's like, wait, this stuff still does go on all the time. I
0: mean, there was just a couple weeks ago a clip that went around of people doing that right. stuff. Like, and it happened when I was in undergrad uh, at least once. I remember how I went to Northwestern, and I was there between oh five and oh nine, and I remember it happening right. at least once.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, and here's where you sort of run into – an interesting issue, which is that like, okay, this party makes fun of something topical that's going on campus every year. Right. You know, and Sam's movement s- sort of maybe, you know, merits a bit of satire or a bit of, you know, uh, ridicule from students um, in that it is. So it's the the main self serious thing that's going on campus right at that moment. Um, you know, but the only people with a satirizing, platform are these racist white guys so there's no one to do an intelligent satire of what sam is doing except for maybe justin simeon who's sort of like you know uh exploring the issue in this movie yeah so if you had uh if you lived in a different world you know and the white people say well we're, we're just making fun of what's going on on campus but at the same time it's like well yeah, but you don't know how to make fun of that. It's not that you can't make fun of that; right. it's that you don't know how to do it well. Exactly. Um. So maybe you just shouldn't.
0: Yeah. Um. So last thoughts. Uh. What do you think of Simeon? Do you think he? What do you think of his his uh, future as a filmmaker?
1: I, I think he has a good one. I think um, if I would if I got a chance to make a, a first time feature, uh, I would you know hope it's as good as this one. Um, you know I think it's probably uh difficult to pull all this sort of thing together for your a first time filmmaker I don't know I've never made a film um but I think he's got enough good ideas and enough talent um I'd like to see uh what he could do given the chance to sort of um you know if he didn't if if you tell him all right justin you' have got a five picture deal you can make five different movies. You don't have to put all of them in the same movie. Uh, I think he'd make really good movies.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I I think he shows a lot of talent. And considering that this was very much a grassroots project, it was crowdfunded and it, right. it's grown in support, I think I'm really curious to see what he does uh, with, with his career. And I'm looking forward to it.
1: And I just hope it's successful so that, again, more of these movies can get funded and made.
0: Yeah, the more we have... The more representative they, or less representative they will be of black culture individually. And I think that's a great thing to, to aspire to in Hollywood. So. Thank you. Thank you. The producer of this podcast is Chris Wade. The exec producer of Slate podcast is Andy Bowers. And for Slate.com, this is Aisha Harris.